This is the Voice Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to Horror Saxa, a true crime podcast focusing on cases in Georgetown and the DMV area. I'm your co-host, Brett Rauch. And I'm Amelia Shotwell. Thank you so much for tuning in. As a warning, today's episode contains graphic violence and violence towards children. Your discretion is advised. It began in Bethesda on a cold winter's day. Brad Bishop was wasted, his mind gone astray. He said, I think what I need is a long holiday. So he packed up his family and took them away. As the song gave away, today's episode is about Bradford Bishop a restless and adventurous man who decided he'd rather murder his entire family than settle down, earning him a slot in the FBI's 10 Most Wanted Fugitives for years. But before we get into that, I'm going to provide some background. Bradford Bishop was a 6'1", brown-eyed, brown-haired, 180-pound white man born in Pasadena, California. Bishop was incredibly smart. In fact, he earned an undergraduate degree in American Studies from Yale University and a master's degree in Italian from Middlebury College. He could speak five languages and camped in Africa immensely, learning to fly a plane during a trip to Botswana. Bishop was an avid outdoorsman. According to the FBI, his favorite pastimes were tennis, camping, jogging, fishing, skiing, riding motorcycles, swimming, and canoeing. Additionally, Bishop struggled with his mental health. He was a major insomniac and took medication for his depression. He also had a history of psychiatric care and was prone to violent outbursts. Still, he married his college sweetheart, Annette, and took up a job as a counterintelligence operative in the U.S. Army. The couple moved all over the world, satiating Bradford's need for adventure. Yet, Annette convinced Bradford to settle down to better support their three sons, William, Brenton, and Jeffrey. The bishops moved into a house on Lilystone Drive in Bethesda, Maryland, and Bishop took up a job in the government's State Department. Annette was reportedly happy in their new home, but Bradford talked of taking another job overseas. This disagreement, along with the absence of Bishop's promotions at work, culminated in constant fights between the married couple. Bishop's mother, Lobelia, who lived with the family in Maryland, similarly nagged Bradford for his lack of upward mobility. The family additionally may have been under financial strain and facing an audit, though this report has never been confirmed. This is the world of the Bishop family leading up to March 1, 1976. As cliche as it sounds, March 1st was just another day in the office for Bradford Bishop. That is, until he was rejected from yet another promotion. Seemingly the smartest and most qualified prospect, Bishop assumed he was a shoe in for the position. When Bishop learned that he had, in fact, not secured the promotion, he, to put it lightly, did not take it well. The rest of the day proceeded like this. First, Bishop told his secretary he was feeling sick and took a leave from work to supposedly visit the doctor. Instead of going to the doctor or directly home, Bishop made a few stops. He first stopped at a bank where he withdrew several hundred dollars. Very suspicious, right? From there, he drove to the Montgomery Mall where he bought a sledgehammer and a gas can from Sears. Driving across the road to a gas station, he filled up both his car and the newly purchased gas can. His last stop before returning home was a Bethesda hardware store where he picked up a pitchfork and a shovel. These items would soon come into use. 
Officials believe Bishop finally arrived home between 7.30 and 8 that night. Bishop then proceeded to methodically kill his entire family. He first beat his 38-year-old wife to death while she was supposedly reading a book on the first level. Next, he bludgeoned his three sons, aged 13, 10, and 5. The kids were found in their pajamas, leading investigators to believe they were settling down for bed at the time of their demise. Next, it is presumed, he murdered his mother while she was returning from a walk with the family dog. None of his victims were prepared to defend themselves. After the brutal killings, Bishop loaded the bodies of his family members into their station wagon. He proceeded to drive five hours that night to some woods in Columbia, North Carolina. Here, he dug a shallow pit and placed his family's remains inside, dousing the bodies with gasoline and setting them ablaze. The very next morning, March 2nd, 1976, a forest ranger noticed the smoke and discovered the horrifying scene. The police were quickly able to relate the murder to Bethesda as some clothing items and the shovel discarded at the scene were from Bethesda stores. However, the Bethesda police had no missing persons reports, let alone five. Thus, the investigators were not able to identify the victims at this time. The time it took to identify the family provided Bradford enough time to make his escape. Bishop was next seen in Jacksonville, North Carolina with the family dog, buying tennis shoes. Some reports indicate he may have been accompanied by another woman, though this has not been confirmed. Next, Bishop made his way to the Great Spooky Mountains Park. He dumped his station wagon in a campground in Tennessee before disappearing. The car was abandoned sometime between March 5th and 7th. Investigators believe Bishop, ever the outdoorsman, joined a group of hikers exploring the trails. It wasn't until March 8th that the bishop's neighbors called the police over to investigate the house. The neighbors stated that they had not seen any of the family members for many days, suggesting a wellness check should be conducted. Upon arrival, Lieutenant Joe Sargent noticed blood on the family's front porch. The blood trail continued into the hall and upstairs to a bedroom. The floor, bed, and ceiling of the bedroom were absolutely splattered with blood. Bloodstains were also found throughout other areas of the home. The scene was quickly connected to the unidentified bodies found in Columbia through dental records. A grand jury speedily indicted Bradford Bishop for the murder of his family. Nevertheless, enough time had passed for Bishop to make his escape. Flying in the 70s did not require nearly as much identification as it does today. On top of that, Bishop had a diplomatic passport that would allow him to easily hop on an international flight. Considering neither Bishop's diplomatic passport or wallet were ever found, investigators believe he successfully fled the country. To this day, the mystery of where Bradford Bishop fled to remains unsolved and has changed and developed over the decades. By the time the Bishop family house on Lilystone Drive was sold five years after the murders, there was still controversy over whether the man was even alive or not. Special Agent George Quinn of the FBI told the Washington Post in 1977 that he believed Bishop was dead. In the same report, Major Wayne Brown of the Montgomery County Police Department stated that he believed Bishop was still alive. Eventually, the FBI would come to that same belief. And the FBI would actually go on to spend a lot more effort towards this case, but we'll talk more about that in a moment. Since killing his family and going missing, Bishop has completely avoided capture but there have been plenty of reports by people who claim to have seen him, or at least believe they saw him. These reports, which are of varying degrees of credibility, have come in 
from all over, including California, Washington State, Alaska, Spain, Italy, Sweden, Africa, Greece, England, Finland, Belgium, the Netherlands, Russia, and Switzerland. It's pretty much impossible that all of these sightings are accurate, but just the possibility of him being all the way in Europe or Africa is insane. And as we said before, Bishop is fluent in multiple languages, served in the army and in multiple embassies abroad, and owned a diplomatic passport, so it's not totally ridiculous that he would be in one of these places. But anyways, these days police believe Bishop is most likely living in Italy, Switzerland, or California. Here's why. In July of 1978, a woman who used to work with Bishop spotted him twice at a public park in Stockholm, but was unaware of his criminal status and didn't report the sighting. Just half a year later, in January of 1979, another former colleague of Bishop spotted him in a public restroom in Sorrento, Italy. Luckily, this co-worker was aware of Bishop's recent history, and after realizing that the freshly bearded man was in fact Bradford Bishop, the colleague confronted Bishop and straight up asked him, you're Bradford Bishop, aren't you? To which Bishop replied, oh no, and immediately left the bathroom. The next sighting of our killer wasn't until a decade and a half later, September 1994. At a train station in Switzerland, Bishop was spotted by a former neighbor, but they were unable to actually speak with him. That day, 27 years ago, was the last somewhat credible sighting of Bishop. In 2001, there were reports from both Hong Kong and Paris claiming Bishop had died. Neither of these were found to be accurate after further investigation by the FBI. After a long 38 years of not finding him, the FBI added Bradford Bishop to the 10 most wanted fugitives in 2014. Shortly thereafter, the FBI exhumed a body from Alabama that reportedly looked like Bishop, but this was also confirmed to not be him. Beyond this, nothing much was happening with the case, so Bishop's name was removed from the most wanted list after four years in 2018. It was also around this time that Kathy Gilchrist, a 60-year-old woman from North Carolina, discovered via DNA test that Bishop was her long-lost father, who had put her up for adoption in 1957. So while Bishop technically failed to kill his entire family, he definitely got what he wanted out of the crime. Based on the reports we've discussed today, Bishop most likely returned to his much-desired life of adventuring throughout Europe now that he was free of the pressure to settle down with his family. However, I would find it hard to believe that Bishop's life was also suddenly free of the insomnia, depression, and mental health challenges he had struggled with before. Mental health is important no matter what you're doing or where you are in life. Obviously, ignoring our mental health won't lead most of us to committing mass murder, but there's nothing to gain from not taking care of ourselves either. So don't be afraid to get help if you need it, and especially after all of us just had a lot of midterms, take the time when you can to relax and take your mind off whatever's stressing you out. Hopefully that's what you're doing listening to this podcast now. Speaking of which, thank you so much for listening to our first ever episode. We hope you tune in again. This has been Brett and Amelia on the murders of Bradford Bishop. Bradford Bishop Tired of taking their gun Bradford Bishop Got a poker and showed him his stuff for his nine years past 38, most desperate man killed his whole family, took all.